This is the Impossible Things Podcast. Here are three average guys discussing the impossible. Jesse Human, Jimmy Donahue, and your host, Kyle Cole. <sighs> Welcome back, listeners, to the Impossible Things Podcast. I am here with Jesse. I'm so tired. Who is so tired? So tired right now. I am uh, not so tired. I could use a little electro jolt. Electro my- <laughs> jolt. Let's come back to that. <laughs> So uh, the last full episode I think everybody heard was our lovely, beautiful, intelligent, charming wives, etc., 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 talking about love at first sight. Yeah. What, what did you think of that episode, Jesse? That was good. That was great. They, they really showed us up. I think that was one of the more listened to episodes. <laughs> it was a resounding, uh, resounding request for uh, more of that. Yeah, I heard that too. Which is good. I thought yeah. it was great. It's fine. And then also in that week, there was a uh, another bonus episode straight oh, from the, yeah. the hands of my iPhone to your ears. It yes. was uh, the the highly sought after Jimmy. The face. The face. Jimmy the face. Found him in China. Talked to him a little bit about what we've been doing. He seemed uh, surprised that we didn't include him. If you didn't read through the... Through what we said in the episode, that was obviously a joke. He knows we've still been doing the podcast without him. But uh, I was going to say, I know seriously. I mean, he's oblivious to many things, but not. He knows that. He knows we've been doing it. Better. He has the internets. Uh, I will catch up with him again soon in a few weeks. Here, probably post uh, whatever he and I talk about. I'm not exactly sure what it will be. We don't really need to catch him up on episodes we've done because at that point we'll only have aired another four or five episodes yeah so maybe we'll talk to him about some of the future topics and get get his mm. way in on it and include it in the middle of an episode that'd be cool yeah i think that would be cool very cool so that being said yes what what are we talking about today i said emp but is it environmental management management plan no i don't think that's it electromagnetic pulse yeah i think that's oh, okay. it that's definitely that did you do your research for the environmental management plan well, uh, maybe a little. <laughs> I didn't think you were that tired. <laughs> That's, why do you think I'm tired? Oh. <laughs> Not because of the other things in my life. That's true. Couldn't be anything else. It's I'm sure this. it's nothing else. This is my full-time job, and uh, since I was doing double duty on this episode, yeah. <laughs> couldn't see me roll my eyes on the uh, radio. Sorry. He did roll his eyes, though. I, I, I will uh, attest to that. So uh, we are talking about electromagnetic pulsing, or pulses, but we're talking about it on the scale of like like the atomic bomb, right? The atomic bomb or nuclear like bomb? knock out a city. Yeah. Think like Ocean's right. Eleven, the pinch, right? That's what you called it? The pinch. That's what yeah, it's right. called, yeah. the pinch? The new, the newish one. The old one they did at something else. Well, yeah, so I think the old one they just they just cut the wires. That, that sounds so Frank Sinatra. I mean, he probably sang while he did it, but I, yeah. I, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, so yeah, I couldn't really tell you. If I've ever seen it. I don't remember ever. Well, I've definitely seen it. It's one of those ones that I was going to watch and probably intended to. And maybe I maybe I actually put it on one time. And Oh, one of my favorite bits ever is in that movie. Frank Sinatra in a hotel room. Phone rings. He picks up the phone. He said, he says, hello, you've dialed the right number. Now please hang up and don't do it again. And hangs up. Okay, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Maybe That's I haven't. Fantastic. <laughs> that does sound. Great. It's it's a star-studded cast as well. It's it's really good. It's really good. Uh, really good for its time piece. I really really enjoy yeah. the original Ocean's Eleven. But in the new one, 
the way they black out all of Las Vegas in order to uh, apprehend money from a central vault mm-hmm. is they detonate an electromagnetic pulse emitter that they nickname the pinch. The or pinch. A pinch. I don't, I don't know what they call uh, it. It's the pinch, yeah. The pinch. So... Uh, so we're, th- we're talking about things on that scale. That's kind of like where we've zeroed this in. I mean, there, there's another good example in The Matrix, the end of the very first Matrix movie. Mm. They disable That's all right. the Sentinels by generating an electromagnetic pulse that not only kills the Sentinels, but also kills their ship temporarily until they can reboot it or do something with it. I, I don't really know what the recovery plan for EMP in the future is, but... You, uh, you replace all your capacitors. Yeah, for now it's kind of exhaustive. <laughs> Yeah, you have some electrical damage, it sounds like. I think that's true. Okay, so in the movie, uh, in uh, Ocean's Eleven, they just knock out the power for a couple of seconds. Yeah, and it comes right back on. It comes right back on. I mean, maybe it's like a cold redundant. We can get into this later, but my research briefly, uh, you know, after I realized that it wasn't uh, the uh, environmental management plan, Uh Quick did some research on uh, electromagnetic pulse. Ah. And from what I can tell, there might be three different types. Okay. What are the three types? So there would be E3, which is kind of the solar flare. Okay. Solar solar interference. I hear that causes communications problems as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think there might be some history on that. Maybe we'll get into it. I think uh, like wireless microphones, as used in theaters, they stop working and stuff when they're solar flares. Tragic. Super tragic. So then there's E2, which okay. is a lightning lightning strike, similar to what would you know be caused by a lightning strike. Okay. Which actually, that one kind of... So that might be what they... Hmm, interesting. I'm kind of having a lot of thoughts going through my oh, head. Oh, it's right good. Now. Spit it out, man. Let's hear so it. So they maybe the... I'll just go on and we'll circle back. Okay. Now that works. Then there's E1. E1. Which is uh, what is in what is produced by a nuclear detonation. Not an atomic detonation. Just a nuclear I one. I don't know the, that much about the distinction between the two. But, yeah, me neither, actually. I was just curious. Yeah. I, I think... I've only I only ever saw nuclear reference, so I don't know. For all I know, it's the exact same bomb. I just have no idea. What about hydrogen bomb? I don't know. No. I don't know anything. Dividing, They're all very destructive. <laughs> dividing different molecules. And I suppose so. Um, so the, one of the definitions I found, uh, this really highly intelligent, I'm sure very familiar name, John McAfee. He's a, a cybersecurity expert. He, you don't he pub- say. I know, weird, right? He uh, he published this article about uh, how simple an EMP generator is and how simple it would be to detonate one. Um, but in his description of it, uh, he he makes it a pretty easy explanation. I mean, I'm sure it's very generic. I'm sure Greg's going to tell us it's very generic. We'll explain who Greg is in a second. Yes. But electromagnetic pulses, EMPs, are created by sudden short bursts of electro of an electromagnetic field. Capacitors are designed to create a sudden burst of electricity. Combined with a directional high-gain antenna, they can create an EMP. Sure. That's his short explanation. I'll buy that. Um, <laughs> I can't prove you different. Uh, yeah, right. I, that's, I'm really counting on Greg to do that. Uh, so Greg is an old friend of ours, uh, old colleague. Yeah. Dare we say co-worker and friend. Um, yeah, I'd say He uh, is an electrical engineer associate at a local utility company. Local could be somewhere else. But he uh, he actually posted, we, we had posed this question to our Facebook friends about uh, whether or not they thought it was possible just to help bolster right. the conversation. And Adam uh, Adam chimed in with a, some qu- queries of his own. Indeed. having He says he qualifies it by saying, having done, having not done any research. Well, what were his, just, what were his questions? And then I can read Greg's response because Greg responded directly to Adam. I'll, I'll play the part of Adam. Okay, I'll very, very... Uh, 
not qualified to do so, play the part of Greg. And then after Greg's comment, I'll play the part of Andrew again. <laughs> sounds sounds great. <laughs> okay, Adam says you can you can all go on uh, Facebook and read this for yourselves. But yes, by the time you hear this episode, <laughs> it's gonna be like lost in the ether, buried. Yeah, it'll be several weeks. Hence, Adam says. Having not done any research, I would venture to say that although it may not be technically impossible, I think we do not have the technology to do this effectively on a large scale without the associated nuclear blast. What about the impact of solar storm or coronal mass ejection, CME? What impact would that have on the human civilization? Another part of the conversation needs to be, is there a way to protect things from an EMP? Does a Faraday cage work? So, although I think it is technically possible, it's not likely on a large scale, and we have been grossly misled by movies. So to that, Greg, our friend Greg, replies, In the electric utility industry, we refer to bad things caused by the sun as geomagnetic disturbances, or GMD. The specific problem is that the energy, is that the energy they can transfer into the electric grid, which we call geomagnetically induced currents, GIC, these can wreak havoc on substation power transformers. Transformers such as these are made to order and typically take one to two years to procure, typically coming from China, South Korea, or India. Companies that used to manufacture these in the United States now all cease to exist. Some history. The Carrington event of 1859 was a large one of these disturbances. Electricity was in its infancy, so large-scale damage was avoided, but telegraph systems were in place in North America and in Europe. These systems experienced widespread failures. More history. A, mo a moderate solar storm in 1989 was responsible for large blackouts in Quebec. Power system systems at northern latitudes are more susceptible to GIC. Events of extreme magnitude, such as Carrington, are estimated to occur every 150 years. Quebec-level events have a 50-year period. It is estimated that if a Carrington-level event hit the U.S. today, 20 to 40 million people would be affected by power outages ranging from 16 days to 1 to 2 years. Some equipment could be placed back in service quickly after being repaired with spare parts, but heavily damaged equipment would need to be manufactured overseas, transported, and installed. If all that has got you ready to stockpile weapons and food, here's some good news. In 2015, federal regulations were implemented to require utilities to start modeling their power systems and assess GIC risk. Within the next five years, all power systems should know the weak points and have corrective action plans in place. The space... The space weather geeks can give us a couple of days warning when GMDs are likely to occur, giving us a chance to batten down the hatches and limit the damage. Andrew says, leave it to Greg to drop the mic. Boom. 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 And that is that is truthfully dropping the mic. Yeah, from a man who knows. So I, I guess that answers the possibility question. Of I, the... It's definitely yes, possible. It's def just the he, cause is different. Right. He focused in on the natural the natural causes. Well, and it sounds like he focused in on the natural causes, which there's a history of happening already mm -hmm. and affecting large-scale you know, electrical utilities. The effects would be largely the same. Yeah, and that's, I mean, like, essentially that that is... That is the case, and I, I will want to come back to something that Adam, a question Adam had posed uh, later on. But yeah, uh, I guess the 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 question, the, like according when you, in following Greg's explanation, are TV and films and literature examples getting the science right? Yeah, um, I would say they usually don't. Yeah, but what do you? What, okay, let's talk. Yeah, what do you think? I think that yeah. the well, the result obviously they're getting correct, except for as was noted or as is noted. Uh, in Ocean's Eleven, the newer one, uh, right? Oh, where the electricity goes. turns back on, yeah, right away. And according to Greg, that kind of a large scale no, effect on the grid is like a couple of part, days of parts recovery. are damaged, need to be replaced. Yeah. Right, it's not something that comes right back up right away. Yeah, 
so I would say that that at least that part of the science is wrong. Um, the 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 result of what's happening as far as like what causes that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it could be correct. I I don't really know because well, everything the, we know about these seems to be a natural a natural occurrence. The pinch is a real device that they've tested. There is an actual. There is a pinch, and uh, that's what the device in the na- in the movie was named. True, after, and it was modeled after. Well, and they did in the movie. They did steal it from a research lab. Uh, the it says Neil Singer, a science writer in the Sandia Media Communications Group, says, "I can confirm the Sandia Z Pinch is the inspiration for the movie's gimmick." Wow! Singer so it does exist. Several, it does. Singer spent several hours talking to the prop people from the movie about the Z Pinch, which creates lightning-like tangles of a startling color for a few billionths of a second as it fires, making a—that's an odd grammatical choice—as <laughs> it fires, making a very colorful, if bulky, piece of work. He says, "We we discuss Z's possibilities as a plot mechanism. I explained it might be hard to move the Z machine to the top of a station wagon and fire it off in mid Las Vegas." <laughs> But that didn't stop them, obviously. Obviously. So, real thing. Uh, I think he goes on to say, if I remember from my reading last night, that it wouldn't, it might not be powerful enough yet to take down the whole A whole strip. city. Okay. But, Especially that city. <laughs> you know, obviously getting there. Yeah. Well, I mean, somebody's working towards it, it yeah. sounds like. So, Thank God. Yeah, seriously. Because, I mean, why do we want this to be possible, Jesse? Uh, let's see. Well, it's thinking about the effects. Thinking about it. Uh, so all your all your little uh, all your devices, all your computers, all your phone, tablet, PC, watch, lights. Actually, watches might not, not any digital watch. Too small, really, to to get a, enough induction. Interesting. Turns out, yes. There's a the bigger the device, the more likely. It only gets big things. So you might actually have some stuff that is saved from this. Like, could a cell phone be impervious to it if it was far, far enough There's, away and small enough? So the, the guy that I was, by, the like guy that I was reading, this uh, Jerry Emanuelson. Yes. Uh, he has some alphabet soup after his name, so I assume he's pretty smart. Oh, okay. He says, Jerry Emanuelson, B-S-E-E, some type of electrical electrical engineer. I don't know. Maybe Greg BS, can tell us. B-S. It sounds like a load of B-S. E-E. Bachelor of Sciences in Electrical Engineering. Bachelor. Oh, that's not that smart. It's not. Greg, tell us what that means later. <laughs> yeah. He said, Jerry Emanuelson said, oh, I lost my train. Roll back the tape. <laughs> what was I talking about? We're talking about watches and phones and small devices oh. not being affected. Correct. He said there's no there's no line. There's no way to know what will and what won't. Okay. But some very small devices won't. Well, I mean, Adam, be, Adam's question is interesting yeah. about like if you put a Faraday cage around something, would it protect it? Because, I mean, it does prevent, like, electromagnetic emissions from leaving the cage. Yeah. So does it is the other way true? Not sure about Let's that. Let's see here. But, I mean, it would be, like, to that point, it would be a good way to neutralize everybody else's, like, communication strategies. I mean, if you think about it, if you come up with a way that even if you killed your own communications system, if you came up with a way to communicate without that and then killed everybody else's, you essentially would control information flow for at least a brief time until everybody could get systems back up but you know like you'd control it at least for Mm. a short bit so i mean if there was like a communications and you know intelligence problem i guess in in like a war that the u.s was fighting or that some entity was fighting somewhere you could in theory you know eject this emp and then deploy new hardware the next day or a couple hours later for that matter and you could have the upper hand yeah it seems like kind of a 
a lot of effort for the upper hand, but if that's really where you're losing the battle, that's not a bad plan. It could be. I mean, instead of storming the bunker or whatever, or just bombing the heck out of it. Well, we don't fight battles that way anymore, just, or at least we shouldn't. We just detonate an EMP above them, mm -hmm. and then just walk right in. They won't even have a clue you're coming. Yeah, they, yeah, they won't know we're going to be there, that's for sure. Well, they might, they might get a clue. Hey, all our stuff stopped working. Why did everything stop working? Yeah. All the lights are out. We can't see anything. Bad down the hatches. What's that noise? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so... Okay, so uh, Jerry Emanuelson says, A very efficient 80 dB Faraday cage would reduce the EMP by a factor of 10,000. In other words, it would reduce a 20,000 volts per meter EMP field to 2 volts per meter. Interesting. So it depends, basically, is the answer. Yeah. Got, well, with most scientific things that are, you know, widespread... Yep. It, it depends is always the answer. That, that's a good enough answer, though. He's he's done the calculations. Obviously. Good. Good for him. I think Greg could uh, give him a run for his money, though, yeah. if that, if, he, if he truly is just uh, has the BS. <laughs> um, so what are the reasons that this is currently impossible? Yeah. What are the reasons? Let's see. I don't think it—well, it, it, is it impossible? I mean, we haven't even really discussed the nuclear. Well, like I mean, but we're if we're talking truthfully about the way it is deployed and executed in Ocean's Eleven, we're saying that that is impossible. To where, like, okay, you set off this EMP, all the power goes out for only sixty seconds, and then comes right back on. Yeah, that is not possible. I don't see it coming back on, but the the device that you could strap on a car and drive through town and yeah, well, they, he said it'd be difficult. At best, right? Isn't that what that guy yeah, said? The guy that, who actually has the pinch? Pretty large is, would be the implication. I believe and, so. Uh, quite conspicuous. It sounds like it. <laughs> Plus the pretty bright, and I don't think you could... Okay, interesting bit, this. Okay. There was some some of the scientists who were present at the Starfish Prime test. Okay. Uh, uh, retained some long-term permanent retinal damage, and they weren't even looking at the detonation. Well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What is Starfish Prime test? Where did they do this? What is it? Are you kidding me? What Starfish Prime? Please tell me. Everyone is, is knows. It, is it Optimus' <laughs> Prime's younger brother nobody's heard of? Jerry Emanuelson again. On July 1962, a 1.44 megaton United States nuclear test in space. Wow. 400 kilometers, 250 miles, above the mid-Pacific Ocean called the Starfish Prime test, demonstrated to nuclear scientists that the magnitude and effects of a high-altitude nuclear explosion were much larger than had been previously calculated. <laughs> the detonation detonation time was irrelevant to our purposes. Mm -hmm. The coordinates also irrelevant to our purposes. The actual weapon yield was very close to the design yield. The Thor missile carrying the Starfish Prime warhead actually reached a maximum height of about 1,100 kilometers and then went back down, blah, blah, blah. They detonated it at 400 kilometers. Interesting. Blah, 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 blah. Starfish Prime also made EMP effects known to the public by causing electrical damage in Hawaii, about 1,400 kilometers, 898 miles away from the detonation point, knocking wow. out about 300 streetlights, setting off numerous burglar alarms, and damaging a telephone company microwave link. Wow. Yeah, and that, that was the first time that... 900 miles away. So Greg mentioned that the effects are greater in the northern, you know, the more in the northern oh, yeah. latitudes. Yeah. And that uh, made sense to me all of a sudden when he said that, because I read this last night mm -hmm. about them testing near the equator. Oh, bing, maybe that's why they tested there, because I thought the results would be... Minimal. Mitig mitigated, minimal. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Which is interesting. But after Starfish Prime, they did uh, some more. It was called Operation Fishbowl, and they did several <laughs> several tests. 
I don't understand what the point of right. <laughs> one of these names yeah. are. Whatever. So they had an Operation Bluegill. Oh, the Drew, the Bluegill Triple Prime and the Kingfish Test oh. of October 1962. So they were once they once they had the results of this and they knew the EMP effect and they they tested it some more. It sounds like that like a lot of the, a lot of the results that we have for EMPs are related to some sort of weapon. Is there an EMP weapon that exists? I mean, the pinch I guess could be considered a weapon, but it sounds more like it's a, a device. Well, the ones that people are afraid of from what I, you know, the big fear-mongering that you see on Fox News especially late mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. was uh was all about the nuclear detonation scenario. Yeah, but out, outside of an explosion, is there just an EMP affecting device. See, I don't think there's like one... Like a gun or something that will emit EMP. I don't I don't think there is. You don't think there is? I don't think there's one that's effective enough on the, to to do the scale that we're talking about. Sure. What's this EMP but bazooka thing that you have here, though? The EMP bazooka... What is that? Sounds pretty intriguing, doesn't it? It, it really does. This picture is interesting yeah did you read did you read the article of course not it's your article you must you must post it i so will that, post it but so everyone can share emp cannons it's, it's, who, who designed this thing let's see some french man oh the french the french so unlike them it was an audio engineer it usually is that? those guys are crazy yeah they're amplifying the signal within a or they're duplicating the wave in a in a reverb chamber yes something Something or other? D- yes, they're 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 saying that this this the EMP could be strong enough to disable a vehicle, but that's really the largest thing it could do. Like, I mean, for but, now. But frankly, like, okay, arm a handful of soldiers, the EMP brigade, with, with these things, yeah, and just go around and like, oh, you got a tank? Nope, not anymore. No more tank. Yeah, tank just sits there. Yep. Oh, plane going by. Hang on. Nope, not anymore. Plane crash on the ground. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you really could. If you want to not affect your own technology by your EMP emission, mm-hmm. this would be a good way to do it. You would just have to, you'd have to yeah, that's right, discharge it more often than just a one one and done thing. But I mean, that's why we, we don't like go into Afghanistan and blow apart entire cities. Is mm-hmm. There are parts of the city we don't want to do that to. Yeah. We're trying to focus our efforts. So we send in people with guns. This would be the same idea. But instead of killing people, they're killing technology. Killing yep. transportation. Like in the day the Earth stood still when the robot just like evaporated everyone's guns. You seen that? What? Yeah. No. Yeah. See, that's the kind of thing. Like, I mean, if you were trying to do, like you said before, um, it would be a humane, well, maybe you didn't say it out loud, but it's a humane way to neutralize targets. Mm. Yeah. You basically send them back to the Stone pre, Age. Pre, uh, well, yeah, pre, pre, like the pre technology age. Yeah. yeah. Industrial. That's what it is. That's it. I don't know what age we're in anymore. Yeah. So Newt Gingrich is like very much on the fear mongering trail. No. Yes. No. And Fox News is, is eager, eager the to post out. all of that stuff. That's yeah. great. So what, what what's his involvement in the EMP? I don't know. Concerned citizen stands to benefit if people get scared and want to spend money on. Uh, yeah, 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 I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Why do we listen to anything <laughs> the, poli- the political news has to say? It's a different podcast. It's <laughs> so aside from this EMP bazooka, uh, same article. John McAfee is saying that with thirty dollars and an internet connection, a ten-year-old could acquire an EMP to destroy an entire city. And it sounds like that that probably would have been. Oh, sorry, not thirty dollars, three hundred dollars. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. No kids in the U.S. have three hundred dollars. Mm. Um, so, it, but like, I mean, it sounds like, according to what Greg said, there's like risk assessments being done by utility companies now to make this kind of thing a little more difficult to do. Um, and I gotta imagine, like, if this was possible, like, if it was possible for somebody to cause widespread panic with this stupid EMP device, that it would have people would have tried already. I I don't know. Anyway, it's 
it is what it is as far as like the, this article that John McAfee put up here. Yeah. But he he's he's I think he's more saying that if like you strategically detonated this EMP device mm. that you could take out an entire city. I don't think it's like, oh, just go anywhere arbitrarily and it'll do it. I think it was like, no, you have to go go to this main part of the grid kind of a thing. But that's that's his opinion. Apparently oh, a 10-year-old in an internet connection could figure out how to do it. Yeah, I can see them taking out the grid. That's uh, So the whole induction thing? Yeah. The more So the longer the transmission line is, Greg can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but this is the way I I'm sure, think I'm sure he I will. He's it. very involved. Good. I hope he does. Me too. We want the truth. Greg, tell us the truth. It's out there. But I think the the longer this is my hypothesis. The longer your transmission line, and that includes all all like connection mm-hmm. uh, splits and whatever whatnot. Sure. So the power grid is a perfect example of a of a huge you know grid of well we just say grid. At, it's a it's at, a lot of a lot of induction potential. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah is, I see. Uh, it's more susceptible to amplifying that the pulse. So you might not need a huge pulse. So maybe this machine that McAfee's talking about, you just need to get near a hub where you can start the chain. And it'll perpetuate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wonder how true that is. I don't know. That that would be my theory. He he obviously, and I would think for obvious reasons, did not publish exactly what somebody would have to do because Mm. that's how you end up on lists right. and stuff. Yeah. Um, but just, of- just the fact that the potential is there for that kind of thing. But yeah. again, like I said, I'm a lot less worried about it because of uh, Greg's assessment that like, I mean, it's obviously, it's a common naturally occurring event. Common being it's happened more yeah. than once, not like it happens all the time. Well, but the solar, the solar thing. Is- right. So, the, but there are risk assessments being made. The next natural progression is how do you replicate? I mean, there's a great book that Crichton, Michael Crichton wrote called State of Fear about replicating the results of a natural disaster in order to terrorize mm-hmm. um, civilizations with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like one of the things they do is they recreate a tidal wave by just gently drumming on the, the shores of Hawaii to like send a tidal wave to California or something along those lines. But you should definitely read the book. It's a really, really interesting take on those kinds of like, it's called environmental warfare. I think that's what he calls it actually in the book. But if you think about it, like you that that's all the EMP is doing is it's trying to replicate the results of a nuclear blast's EMP mission to disable devices. Why not it's just a different use the format. EMP blast? You mean a nuclear explosion? Yes, that's what I meant. That's yeah, well, I mean. you know, like I, you tired. could, but Did I mentioned I'm tired. Yeah, well, you know, more coffee for you. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> um, but I mean, like that's that's the kind of thing. It, it, I mean, it's it's a terrorist thing. So I got to imagine the utility companies are not only assessing the risk from GIC, but also just from potential terrorist action using that type of from an E one. They they called it a H H E M P. It's a it's a the acronym doesn't really make sense to me, but mm, it's a, interesting. It basically refers to the note H E M P is an acronym for a high altitude nuclear electromagnetic pulse. Oh. So it would be a H A E M P in my book, but there's a they hyphenate it's just H whatever. And then it can spell hemp. Hemp, and that's what you should do if everything goes to hell in a handbasket. Just grow a bunch of hemp. <laughs> <laughs> Useful for ropes and things. That's what I meant. So, what? Some myths about the EMP. Myths. I want to hear some myths. How much time do we have? We got time for a myth or two. Have about one myth. Two. Hey, let's do one myth. Two and a half myths. Uh, this is definitely the time frame for maybe one point seven five myths. Well, I've got forty seven potential myths. Pick your favorite one or your two favorites. This is one about solar storms only affecting the side of the side of the Earth that is facing the sun. Is that interesting? Or go, keep going. Solar storms can damage automobiles and trucks. No. Hmm. Faraday cage. Oh, Faraday cage will 
protect against the solar storm. Yeah, let's, let's go this. with that one. Short explanation. Okay, we got time for one more after this. I like it. Fact. He says, okay, he says, myth. A Faraday cage will protect against a solar storm. Fact. There is some truth to this. If you are designing a satellite or if you are located on the moon or on Mars. If you are located on the surface of the Earth, a Faraday cage will protect only against the E1 and E2 components of nuclear EMP. So E1 was the... Like lightning, right? Is the... Uh, we didn't even cover the me- the mechanics of this. So the, the detonation of a nuclear evi- device emits gamma radiation. Ah. So when a gamma ray hits a- another molecule, it'll it'll knock out the electron, the positively charged electron. Oh. That's how it... Okay, that makes sense. Makes sense. So that's the E1. Simply put. Yes. E2 is the lightning, the lightning-like. That's the one, okay. So that's the one. It actually, we could say, quote, pushes aside the magnetic field of Earth. Sure. Or the in the atmosphere, the yes, that. like just moves it briefly. So that's maybe that's what the pinch does. It kind of like hmm. makes a a whoom in the magnetic field. I really like the sound effect. Yeah, there. that was good. Yeah. That was a that was a sleepy Jesse sound effect. I'm uh, impressed. Mm-hmm. That would explain why everything comes back on though. Right. Good. Good. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. We'll have to process that a little more. Come back to it. I guess it's at least plausible. Hmm. Uh, the Faraday. Well, to get back to the paragraph. Yes. A Faraday cage will protect only against the E1 and E2 components of a nuclear EMP and will do no good at all against a severe solar storm. There you go. Oh, that is a sliver of truth. What, what other myths you got in that little myth directory? Let's see. Severe solar storms always occur at the peak. When the EMP hits the ground and induced electric currents either head directly toward the center of the Earth. No. Hmm. Gamma ray bursts from outer space would cause an electromagnetic pulse over an entire hemisphere of the Earth that was facing the gamma ray burst. Wow. That's a myth. Obviously. Sounds disastrous, though. There's, it's a long explanation. Would no. you like it? Nope. No, okay. Nuclear weapon de- detonated at an air... Uh, start over. A nuclear weapon detonated in an airplane at a maximum cruising altitude would cause an EMP. Fact. It would cause an EMP. But it wouldn't be very strong compared with nuclear weapons detonated at other altitudes unless it were a special military spy plane flying at an extreme high altitude. A normal jet aircraft maximum cruising altitudes, a nuclear weapon would do much less damage from any effects that a weapon detonated either near the ground or in space. So he's saying the... Well, the EMP emission from a nuclear explosion, the effects are much different up at higher altitudes than they are on the ground. Yes. Makes enough sense. I mean, the atmosphere is different. You would think it uh, dissipates. Well, like, the medium is different, right? Like, I got to... Like, Uh. any sort of wavelength at all in nature is affected by, let's just call it atmosphere. Like, I mean, for Mm. for us and our purposes and what we do for a living with audio, audio is highly affected by temperature and humidity. Right. And it's very sensitive to those things. Indeed. Uh, And so it doesn't... it, It travels further in thicker mediums than it does in thinner mediums, but it takes more energy to do so, right? No, it takes less energy to do so because it's an easy medium, but... But it's also the... There's no sound in space. It's the disturbance of molecules. Correct. So when there's more molecules, it's easier. So the sound travels best at 60% humidity or so. And 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So if if the air is too thin, it doesn't... And if it's too thick, it doesn't... It wants just the right combination and therefore there's no sound in space so if you want to see a really realistic mm. a, a realistic version of space 
would be if something explodes in space, there is no sound. And no explosion because there's no oxygen. No, it's burn. an implosion. It would be more an implosion. Yeah, if something blows up in space, likely. it blows in. <laughs> or does it blow down? We don't really know where up is at that point. It's kind of relative. It hasn't been much violence in space yet. No, but in 2001 A Space Odyssey, there is an implosion. Ah. And there is no noise to the implosion because it was done very accurately. Because huh. the camera view is way outside in space, looking mm-hmm. at the outside of the, the, the space traveling thingy. Space traveling thingy? Yeah, spaceship. That's what I meant. Yep. Yep. You're passing your tired off to me, and I won't have it. You will have it. <laughs> I won't have it. You know why? Because this is the end of the episode. So will this ever be possible in the in the way we're talking about, where you drive your Econoline 250 Ford van up to the roof of a parking structure in Las Vegas, Nevada, mm-hmm. you turn your pinch on, you cover your important parts, and uh, wait for it to turn all the lights off in the city? Will that ever be possible? Mm, you sort of think so, because the pinch being a real thing mm-hmm. uh, was just too big, basically, was what they said. Was and you the think that they can make efficiencies to make it smaller? I mean, that's the general progression of technology, in my experience. My first cell phone was large and didn't do much. Right. It probably emitted, <laughs> it probably had some EMP on it anyway. <laughs> I reckon it did. Exactly. That explains why it's so dangerous to us. <sighs> Don't put the thing up against your head, man. It radiates. Yeah. That's why yeah. I never. That's why I never answer the phone. So, what are oh. we talking about next week? Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Wait, like a, a like Shaquille O'Neal, like a guy with big feet, or a Yeti? Yeti, I think. Yes. It's a Yeti. Mm. Is it the abominable, abominable snowman? Uh, these are questions we'll have to answer at that time. Is it all of these? Does, so how, how does Bigfoot relate to EMPs? I gotta know this. Not. It does not. Ah, we've broken the chain. <laughs> non sequitur. Oh boy. How does Batman relate to EMPs? Doesn't really matter. Batman's just <laughs> Bigfoot too. <laughs> Batman anyway. could. Batman could have big feet. We don't know. True. Ben Affleck probably has. Small you know feet. what they say about guys with big feet. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us today. Visit impossiblethingspodcast.com to interact with the guys on Twitter, Facebook, and email. Questions, topic suggestions, corrections, and rants are always welcome. Also, find more episodes and see sources referenced in today's discussion. Impossiblethingspodcast.com for all things impossible. Impossible.